Welcome to the Marketing Schematic, the podcast that dives into the rapidly transforming manufacturing industry and how sales and marketing teams are driving business forward. In each episode, we'll explore marketing, business, and operational trends in manufacturing and talk to subject matter experts about what they're doing to stay ahead of it all. Welcome back to the Marketing Schematic and Happy New Year. We're so glad to continue this podcast into 2024, and we have no better topic to kick things off with than talking about manufacturing market growth in 2024. Um, So we're actually throwing back to um, a workshop that I hosted in November with Andrea Yank. Um, where we talked about how you can use digital channels to begin your market research, um, especially when you're tapping into uh, a new marketplace. So looking at the competitors in that space, um, how to use digital to um, do some initial audience and persona development, um, and even how to use AI to kind of help begin this research that will ultimately lead you to developing your strategic marketing plan. Um, So like I said, we thought there was no better topic than to uh, talk about manufacturing growth in 2024 to kick off the new year. Um, And I will also note, too, that if it's at all helpful, you can find the video recording of this workshop on our website at topfloortech.com. If you head to resources and video, um, you'll be able to find it there if that visual reference is helpful. But without further ado, let's get started. So today we are talking about manufacturing market growth with digital. Um, so you have me, Ann Cotter, uh, Director of Sales and Marketing here at Top Floor. And joining me is Andrea Yank, Director of Marketing Services. Hey, Andrea. Hello. So our agenda for today, um, we're talking about setting up your strategy for new growth and attacking new markets. Um, So we'll start things off by just talking about the 2023 Wisconsin Manufacturing Report, which is kind of where we gleaned some of the insights and the the reasons behind we're talking about this today. So we'll talk a little bit about that and some of the highlights from that report. Um, And then we'll talk, too, about shifting consumer landscape, kind of what we're seeing on the digital side as far as audience, preferences, demographics, et cetera. And then the real meat of the conversation is going to be how you can use digital channels for your market research. Research. So Andrea will be talking through most of that um, and also kind of how you might even use tools like AI to kind of glean some insight into, um, you know, competitors and kind of where you rank and how you stack up. Um, and then that'll feed into just beginning your strategy, how to prioritize those findings um, and then we'll end things with a Q&A. So thank you again for joining and feel free to use the chat as we talk about these things. Uh, we'll try to check it intermittent, intermittently, um, but definitely at the end, we'll, we'll cover any questions that you all have. All right, so starting with the Wisconsin Manufacturing Report. So this is the third annual um, Wisconsin Manufacturing Report that's commissioned by the Wisconsin Manufacturing Extension Partnership, the WMEP, and the Wisconsin Center for Manufacturing and Productivity, the WCMP. Um, So what they essentially do is survey uh, 
manufacturing executives across Wisconsin. They do in-person focus groups. Um, this year they held them in Madison, Green Bay, Milwaukee, and Menominee um, to just kind of get a sense of manufacturers' perceptions on the current state of business, their outlook on the economy, um, key issues affecting uh, their company and employees, and just kind of get a pulse check. So we've used this report in the past to just kind of understand what our manufacturing clients are paying attention to, and then how we on the marketing side might be able to support them um, in addressing some of these challenges. So last year, not a big surprise, but workforce and workforce shortages were very top concern. We've talked about that a lot over this past year and just kind of how digital can support recruitment efforts. Um, There's a lot of findings related to automation and introducing AI into the manufacturing process. Um, but what we're really focusing here on today is that many manufacturers are ready to grow and they're actively looking for new customers and new markets to break into. So go. So just kind of driving that point home. Um, so each year they uh, survey the uh, respondents on what are the main drivers that they're relying on to propel their company forward. Um, so what ranks the top of the list year after year is finding new customers and markets. However, in 2023, um, that percentage increased to 63%. So it's becoming more of that main driving factor towards um, new growth and um, yeah, moving forward. So the other um, the other factors here too that kind of are ranking top of the list are increasing productivity and eliminating waste and developing company managers and leaders. Just kind of giving you a sense of what's top of mind. Um, so some other key trends from this report, um, like I said, this is the third annual survey. So as far as concerns about things like inflation, material costs, and supply chain, those are still a concern, but they've certainly lessened since 2021 and 2022. Um, and then manufacturers are less pessimistic about the state's economy overall. I remember reviewing the survey last year, and there was definitely more um, negative and kind of concerning outlook on the economy. Are we headed towards recession or not? Um, and now the consensus is more that things are stagnant, but not necessarily declining. Um, so overall, just a more positive outlook than past years. And I believe we'll be sending this uh, presentation deck out. So I have included the link here too. So you can go take a look at the full report. Um, I definitely recommend it. It has a lot of great insight. All right, so one thing I wanna to touch on quick is just kind of what, are the, what is the purpose of developing a growth strategy? I, it's pretty obvious. Um, and a lot of the times this is gonna come from your leadership or your corporate strategy, um, but you might be a part of that process as well. If you're in the de business development side of your industry or company, um, you might be a part of this planning process. So I just wanted to quickly touch on kind of how you develop a plan um, of what growth strategy makes the most sense. So the kind of three things that you wanna look at here is your competition, of course. Um, businesses benefit from leveling with expanding competitors. So just looking at how they're innovating their products, what new markets they're going after, their messaging, um, just kind of keeping tabs on what they're doing can give you really good insight into where the market's headed. Um, and then growing your customer base. 
what are there other use cases for your product and service that other untapped markets that you haven't um, reached out to yet? And then satisfying existing customers. So how are your customers' needs changing and evolving? What new technologies are they using? How can your product or service adapt to fulfill those needs? So those answering those questions can kind of help guide you towards what growth direction makes the most sense. Um, so I just wanted to touch on some examples then of new market growth. This is just a handful. There's there's many examples, but these are kind of the top of mind ones. So um, the first one is product development. So that's innovating either current products or developing brand new products or services. Again, maybe that's in response to what your customers are saying or where you see the market headed. Um, market expansion. So using your existing service or product to reach an untapped market. Um, this is something we saw a lot of our customers pivot towards in 2020. Um, so for example, we have um, an industrial vacuum client who their dust collectors are typically used on the manufacturing floor, collecting silica dust, and that's the main primary use case. But in 2020, they actually adapted that and they didn't change the product at all, but they used those dust collectors inside hospitals and other healthcare facilities um, for an entirely different purpose, but just to prevent the spread of um, germs and bacteria and disease. So that's kind of an example of just adapting again to the market. Um, and then there's vertical integration. So that would be taking on another part of the manufacturing process. So you're a distributor and now you um, have a hand in the actual product development or manufacturing part of that process. Um, there's new channels, so or adding new distribution channels, I should say. So in a B2C sense, this could look like going from being strictly e-commerce to opening up a brick and mortar. Um, but in the B2B space, what we're seeing is a lot of um, our customers adding e-commerce to their website as just another stream to generate revenue and business. Um, geographic range, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, but um, just expansion into new regions, whether that's more local or national or even worldwide. Um, and then acquisition, so actually buying another business and absorbing their market share. So why are we, a digital marketing agency, talking about this? Um, so I have three questions posed, and I think the answer to all of these is probably the same, at least for me it is. So where do you as a marketer or business developer begin your market or, or audience research? Where do your potential customers begin their research into a product or service? And where do you kind of start when you're getting a pulse check on the competitive landscape? I think largely that's gonna be online. Definitely trade shows and other in-person events help and even just talking to your current customers is gonna give you really great insight. But when you're just trying to get a holistic view of the landscape, online is really where you're going to start to kind of begin that research. And if that wasn't your answer, then you're in the right place because we're going to tell you how to do that. <laughs> Let me tell you why. <laughs> yep. All right. So here's a why. Um, buyer demographics are changing. Buyers are getting younger. Um, a lot of buyers today are millennials, so they grew up with the internet as their number one source when it comes to doing any kind of research. Um, and today, millennials make 73% of all B2B buying decisions. 
um, and you're only going to see that number increase. And over 70% of B2B decision makers prefer remote or digital interactions. So again, just driving home that point that Andrea mentioned, if you're not on board with digital yet, which I, I think most of you here probably already are, but just in case, um, it's definitely something you want to pay attention to and making sure you're really providing a low friction, solid user experience um, that really kind of demonstrates your values and um, what you have to offer. With digital um, is improved reach. So uh, companies are no longer limited to just their specific geographic region. Um, and businesses overall are more willing to work with companies outside of their area. Um, so with that, communicating your ability to service those outside areas is becoming increasingly important. So especially if you're looking at targeting any countries that are non-English speaking, thinking about translations, making sure that um, you're using their native language, um, those are going to be really, really important too. And then, of course, looking at those specific regions, what the competitors are or who the competitors are in those spaces. So not just looking at who you just say is your local competitors, but that competitor landscape is is growing rapidly when you're looking at, you know, expanding into other geographic ranges. Um, and then looking at those local competitors and just assessing then how you compare on quality, service, price, that can really um, weigh in a lot when it comes to messaging when you're targeting those specific regions. Right. And then um, the other thing with that I kind of just touched on is with that improved reach comes increased competition. So again, you're not limited just to kind of your local geographic range. Um, so looking at both your local competitors, but also outside that bubble, um, how are those competitors engaging in marketing activities? What is their messaging on their website? Um, what kind of content are they creating? Are they engaged on LinkedIn? What kind of following do they have? Um, again, just kind of getting a pulse check on what it is they're doing um, and kind of what messaging. Not that you have to steal or copy all of it, but just understanding kind of where they are and, and what their values and positioning are. Um, and then Andrea will talk through, I think, more of these tactics, but a couple tools then you can just look at. We use SEMrush to look at keyword rankings to see both how we stack up, but then also what are our competitors or our customers' competitors ranking for um, using and looking at YouTube to look at things like user engagement um, and then social media, of course, and LinkedIn, just looking at follower, followers, likes, engagements, et cetera. Do they have a thought leadership program? Um, those kinds of things to kind of just get a sense of what the competitive landscape looks like. So with that, I will pass things over to Andrea, who will dive into kind of more of the tactics on how you actually begin to do this research and begin to understand kind of what that market looks like. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, that was a perfect segue because we're going to jump right into market research and competitive landscape. Um, so what are the things that you should be looking for when you look at um, specifically market research, um, popular marketing channels for that market. And this could be new industries. It could be new geographies. Um, a lot of the examples that I use are going to be new geographies because that is what we've been hearing most from our clients, our existing clients, is they want to expand it to new geographies. But same could be said for new industries um, or new products even. Um, and actually, I noticed something 
in the slide that had the multiple responses for, you know, what are you thinking about for this next year? Mm -hmm. And there was a good increase on new product development, which mm -hmm. actually, you know, ties very nicely into your new market growth. So yeah, made sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, so popular marketing channels within that market, industry trends, growth projections, potential challenges for sure. Any regulatory factors or technological advancements that you need to be aware of um, for this new market. And then as far as the competition goes, who is active in the market, of course, and then what marketing channels are they using? And then what messaging is working for them? And not just what messaging they're using, we, what messaging is working for them? So let them be your guinea pig and learn from what you can see um, is, you know, look at engagement on their social posts and look at search engine result placement for specific pages that they have. If it's not working for them, maybe it wouldn't work for you unless you go about it a different way, right? So um, definitely look at that too. And then how can AI help in this research? Um, just very generally, I'm sure there's way more than this, but on the data collection side, uh, economic indicators, geopolitical events, industry trends, um, AI can compile all of that for you if you know how to ask for it. Um, it can even identify active competitors. Um, and then on the marketing side of things for data collection, um, competitor keyword analysis and uh, share of voice for sure. Um, and then along with that is analysis of that messaging and content that um, you gleaned from those competitors, basically. And then um, I just gave it a, a basic prompt, gave ChatGPT specifically a, a basic prompt of give me 10 precision part manufacturing companies that sell their products in Latin America. You'll notice that these are very large global companies, but you can certainly get more um, more granular if you ask the right questions, like I said. So maybe it'll give me this, but then I'll say, okay, I only want to see mid-level companies or I only want to see you know companies that are within this, um, this revenue range. Um, and it can glean all that for you. So mm -hmm. definitely use it. Um, it can also identify companies in those geography geographies uh, like based in those geographies, which is super helpful for if you want to just do partnerships mm -hmm. in to expand uh, test expansion into those geographies. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the key here is like in the prompt, <laughs> like the more yes. specific you get in your prompts with chat GPT, the more specific that answer is going to be for sure. And if you don't know how to prompt, start general like this and then mm -hmm. say, okay, but now I want now this. Narrow it. yeah. It's a conversation, which is what AI is, right? So <laughs> use it that way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and then even though we're really talking about market research and competitor research, I think we'd be remiss not to talk, not to at least touch on persona research, um, because especially AI can help with that a lot. Um, and then also, I wanted to make sure that we, I want to mention with this first point, something about data security, because I feel like that is really a popular concern right now with AI. Um, so the analysis of your current customer database, I have a very... <laughs> <laughs> Very obvious caveat to hear. Um, you have an obligation to your customers to protect their data 
Do not share anything with an AI tool that can uniquely identify your clients. Um, you just don't know how it's going to be using that information in other ways, right? Um, so some examples of what not to give it, uh, their name, full address, phone number, email address, things that you can still give it, uh, job titles of the purchasing contact, location, general location, so like city, state, country, annual average purchase uh, revenue or um, purchase amount, purchase history, like products that they've purchased, industry type of the, or company, estimated company revenue, estimated employee count. These are all things that can help you identify lookalike customers and identify your persona um, for, you know, general research. Mm -hmm. You could even use, I just thought of this, like LinkedIn to help you gather some of that information. Like if you don't know mm -hmm. the company size of your current customer or an ideal customer, that's a great place to start too. That information is already kind of public knowledge then in a way. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have your CRM database, export what you have and then um, add attributes with additional mm -hmm. research might as well. Um, and then AI can also help with your customer segmentation, uh, identifying any pain points and challenges uh, of your, you know, target customer, identifying preferred market channels. So where where do they want to hear about you, um, and where where are they hanging out, right? Mm -hmm. And then ideation of resonating content. Um, so what type of content are they engaging with? What's going to get them? Um, to engage with your company on this particular new product or new, new geography. And then, um, so ChatGPT will spit out a persona if you give it, uh, if you just give it a prompt to. So I just said, give me a persona for my B2B precision part manufacturing company to target as a potential new customer. It's a very convincing persona. Mm -hmm. I would not use it as is. I would use this as a good starting point, um, but make sure that you're refining it or changing it, especially if you have that customer data readily available that you're going to do the analysis on. Use that to drive changes on this persona. This is more of a good template than a true representation of your persona. So mm -hmm. just fair warning. It will give you something, but I wouldn't uh, wouldn't use yeah. it as a jumping off point. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, like this would be another example where like if you in your prompt had maybe if you use like their job title or yeah. maybe like size of company, you could definitely narrow the scope of this a little bit too. Again, mm -hmm. I would still treat it as a as a jumping off point and not, you know, an answer, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then so we obviously do uh audits, competition audits, market research audits um, for uh, for many different types of companies. But um, I'm going to touch on a few different pieces that we look at as far as competition goes, uh, because I think that's the easiest thing to glean insights off of really is like looking at these competitors and at least understanding what they're doing so that you can compete. So um, if you're already running Google ads, you have access to this top chart that has your campaigns by impression share and impression share loss due to budget and rank if you're running current keywords. So it's, it's only based off of your current keywords. I can't tell you um, your impression share, obviously, for things that you're not running. Um, mm -hmm. But that information is in there and super helpful. It's um, obviously first person uh 
first, yeah, first person um, information right from Google. They're telling you basically how competitive you are and where you're losing competition. Um, so first and foremost, I would use that. Uh, also, you can use their Google Ads Keyword Planner if you want to um, discover new keywords and look at search volume, estimated cost per click, competition. And you can segment all this by ge ge geography as well, too. So um, if you want to look at how well those keywords do in that particular geography, that's important. And then... Um, Something that I think a lot of people aren't aware of is the Google Ads Transparency Centers. This is pretty, fairly new within the last year, I think. Um, and there's a link to it here as well if we, if we share the um, presentation. But basically you put in the uh, name of the competitor and if they're running ads, um, it will show you every single ad that they're running. And that can be display ads, search ads, video ads. Um, you can see it all. Uh, so yeah, I know for a fact, a lot of people don't know about that, <laughs> otherwise they'd probably be using it a lot more, but mm -hmm. definitely look at if they're running, it'll show, um, and what kind of messaging they're using. Mm -hmm. So especially value propositions is what I'm looking for when I look at competition, uh, ads. It's, it's easy, it's easy to, um, if you're, if you're showing up next to them to, say something that directly competes with them if you know what they're saying, right? So mm -hmm. um, just right. make sure that you have that. Or something they're not saying. What if, mm -hmm. you know, something about warranties or I don't know. Yeah, There's I have a support. question for you, Andrea. So <laughs> with the Ad Transparency Center, it's showing you the ads themselves, um, but you can also click on those, correct? I mean, and just go see like what the landing page is, like where they're actually taking that user. Yeah. 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 I so that's yeah, if you, too. yeah. Yeah. If you click on it, I think it brings up yet another screen within the transparency center, which is just like the ad details, but then yes, you can go right through to the landing page. So good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can actually see what type of landing content they're, they're using for that landing page. Yeah. And you can, you can narrow it by location, right? Like, could you look yes. at what ads are they showing in Wisconsin <laughs> or, you know, whatever yes. the case is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric just asked, can you share a link in chat to the Transparency Center? I will find that while Andrea continues. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as organic search competition, what we like to look at is, um, well, we use SEMrush tool, which is a paid tool, um, to look at competition and identify keywords that um, are not just overlapping, but also uh, gaps. So what are they ranking for that you're, you don't even address on your site or you're not ranking for? Um, but yeah, more importantly, it's the keyword gaps that we're looking for. What's your competition, uh, going after that maybe you should consider going after. And then obviously we put it into, um, our, uh, our model for if you went after these, here's what your traffic growth could look like and additional leads based off of, you know, what your current traffic is, is bringing in as far as leads. Um, so that's a good place to start. Um, Eric had a question to about related more to the PPC side, how does tra mm -hmm. the transparency center compare to SEM rush data uh, related to PPC? The, so SEM rush um, will uses basically web scraping to get all their data. So um, if it's 
if it's grabbing search ads, it might not be their current search ads. If it's grabbing display ads, which I don't, I think they've changed that part of the tool actually on the display side. Um, it's less friendly for some reason, but this ad transparency center is directly from Google. So it's actually like what's in their account. It's again, that first party information. I would trust everything from this ads transparency center over SEM right. rush because SEM rush again is just web scraping to get that information. They, they don't right. have a direct line to Google. Right. Yeah. We were just talking about this yesterday, mm -hmm. Andrea and I, I was like, how reliable is SEM rush for PPC? And uh, like you said, they're just scraping to see what you show up for, but that not, might not necessarily be the keyword that your competitor is actually bidding on. Just because they're showing up for it doesn't mean they're actually putting money towards it. So exactly. And yeah, I have a lot of examples of that. Like, oh, they're going after, you know, my brand. I don't think actually they are going after your brand. <laughs> it's just right. they're showing up because, you know, mm -hmm. your brand is a general keyword. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like industrial. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. So yeah. Especially cost. Don't I? I take a grain of salt with the with the spend ad spend that it's showing you in SEM Rush because mm -hmm. Google's not sharing that information with them. Yeah, for sure. Second here, there we go. Um, and then so like I said, like we use SEM Rush, which gives us the keywords um, that those competitors are actually ranking for. There's really no um, free version of or free tools um, to identify what competitors are ranking for. If you ask AI, it's like, oh, I can't tell you, but it can tell you like the meta description on it and the title tag, which obviously you can probably glean yourself. Um, but you can ask AI to summarize topics and keywords for not just specific uh, URLs, but their entire site. So this one I just prompted. Um, for the TFG USA site, um, what what topics and keywords that they're basically using on their website. And it came up with a really good list. If I wanted to get more specific, I could give it a specific URL and say, hey, I see that this one is, you know, if, this, if there's a, a page that is ranking that I'm like, I want to go after that, like maybe it's specifically the engineering manufacturing expertise, like I want to go after that then I can put in that URL and it'll give me, it will summarize content for me. It will um, give me keywords that they're using frequently throughout their content. So again, just knowing kind of where, what to ask, start, start broad and narrow your results down until you get what you need to make your plan basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wonder if you could even like take one of these topics and just throw it into chat GPT or another AI tool and just say, give me some subtopics or uh, keywords yep. related to that. So it won't be doing competitor research, but it will at least give you some ideas for new content. Yeah. And if um, you're like, I want to compete with this guy on this, then that's a really good place to start. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I tried this. So this was just to uh, make sure everyone knows this is the results from Microsoft uh, Bing chat. Yes. Or what it, yes. Yeah. The Bing chat. Yep. And I found yesterday too that Bard, Google's Bard, works really well also for kind of delivering similar results to this. So. Yeah, if you're using the free ChatGPT version, um, it, it probably won't give you this because it'll tell you I, it can't go out and look at live information. So mm -hmm. that's the only caveat to that. So, yep, definitely. And then as far as social media competition, um, 
basically, this is this is just an example of what we'll, we look at. Um, so obviously, we'll look at what kind of following that they have. So you can tell where they're active. Obviously, on like this particular example, this person's not active on Instagram. Um, or this company, I should say, is not active on Instagram. Um, they're super active on LinkedIn, clearly. Um, looking at how frequently they're posting, if it's working for them. So if LinkedIn, if that's where you want to be, then maybe you need to average six posts a month like they do because um, they're getting pretty high engagement per post. And then are they running ads? Um, so within Facebook, Instagram or Facebook, which includes Instagram and LinkedIn, you can actually see if they're running ads, which I'll address on the next slide. Um, but before I do that, I want to just note that and then take notes on the on the posts that you're seeing that are getting good engagement. So, you know, were they a mix of product posts, podcast posts, trade show posts? Um, there's lots of content uh, that are reused between Facebook and LinkedIn. And maybe they're not doing it as well on Facebook. So you need to take a different approach with that type of content. Just things that you you can help, AI can help you uh, glean, but also you need a human touch sometimes to do that. Mm -hmm, definitely. And then uh, on the next slide, uh, talking specifically about how to see those ads if they're running ads. So. Um, there's a Facebook, or now I think they call it Meta Ad Library, which also includes Instagram, because obviously Instagram is part of Facebook or part of Meta, whatever, um, at this URL. And basically, you put in um, the company, and it'll, and you can find like their company page, basically, and then it'll sh it'll spit out whatever um, ads that they're currently running on Facebook, so you can actually see that. Um, I don't, I just, it doesn't give you any kind of targeting, but what's that? At least show you like the creative yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. I just posted that to the chat as well. If you want to go look at it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, on LinkedIn to see those ads, um, you can just go to the company page, their posts, and there's a um, category for just the ads and it'll only show you what they're currently running. So if they're not currently running, it'll just say, you know, nothing to show you basically. But um, yeah, that's public information. Um, you can also invest in any social listening tools. And this is particular, particularly good for market research um, if you want to narrow down for a specific industry or geography, um, what people are talking about on social media. Um, if that might help you actually identify additional competitors too that are active on social media. Um, those are all, I've, there's not really good free tools on that, um, but some free options to use, uh, which is a little more work, but free, <laughs> um, is following hashtags on LinkedIn. So if you wanna follow a hashtag that you think that a competitor might be using, certainly, follow that and it'll show you any content that they that um, people post on that particular hashtag. Make sure it's not too general, otherwise you're getting a ton of stuff for a very general yeah. hashtag. Mm -hmm. um, and then sign up for Google Alerts. I think everyone forgot that Google Alerts exist. <laughs> I did. So, yeah. So um, basically you can tell Google, I want to see any time that a search result shows up that's new, um, that mentions these words. 
right? So mm -hmm. it'll show you search results and even it'll show you um, if it picks up any social media results too. So definitely look at that, um, setting mm -hmm. those up if you want to keep tabs on anybody or anything um, mm -hmm. that in your research. Yeah, that could give you really good content ideas too. Just seeing yes. kind of like what's new. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Give me a sec. There we go. <laughs> and then um, just to wrap it all up, what do you do with all this information? <laughs> um, so develop your go-to-market strategy and start lever leveraging your digital channels. Um, so not just le leveraging them for the research, but also leveraging them for your strategy to go to your market, right? So mm -hmm. um, we recommend really starting with your SEO and website, lay your foundation basically, uh, look at your keyword targets and gaps, clean up your technical SEO. You want that site to rank for anything, you're gonna have to clean that up. Um, mm -hmm. Incorporate local SEO if it's relevant to the market. Make, site, make your site accessible for sure. So this goes more for the geographies. Um, using translations, look at your forms for new geographies. Do you even have a country field? Um, do you need that? Uh, and is it easy to use for them? Uh, there's different address formats that you have to think about for sure. Definitely look at your forms. Um, the next step to that after you've laid your foundation is generate your interest quickly with PPC. So that could be paid, so paid social or paid uh, search or display. Um, Test keyword relevance. Uh, so before you even develop a ton of content on keywords, test those, see if there's search volume around it or what kind of competition is running. Um, test your Google Display Network audiences that are available for the products and services that you're trying to target, um, maybe in those geographies. You can grow brand awareness pretty quickly with um, PPC in those targeted geos. Um, and then remarket to push them through the funnel. So using PPC in multiple points within your within your sales funnel. And then um, next is really the thought leadership piece, which can be a lot of different things. So I, I summed it up here, but it can be a lot more than this. Uh, demonstrate your expertise, basically. Identify your priority topics that you want to make sure that you're including in your website for those new markets. Um, any content gaps that you have that you want to rank for or that you just need to be talking about and then push out all of this through social. So don't just use mm -hmm. it to gain ranking, but also use it for your content for other avenues. You can even use it for PP or for paid search um, mm -hmm. as a landing page. Just make sure that you're, you're using it to its full ability because I know that a lot goes into creating that content. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the important thing to note here is like a lot of these tactics point back to your website. And that's why it's so important to start, like you said, with laying the foundation, make sure you have a great user experience, make sure yes. that, you know, all of those technical SEO issues might be cleaned up, that you actually have good content on your website before you start going down the avenue of promotion. Because at the end of the day, if they're coming to a website that doesn't really articulate your value or is a poor user experience, the PPC and the thought leadership are just going to be or not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That PPC yeah. and thought leadership are going to be your traffic drivers, but you don't want to drive mm -hmm. traffic to something that people are not going to engage with or that 
people get a really bad impression on, right? Right. Yeah. Because that's their impression of your company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. That's really everything. Yeah. Those are our tactics and tips. Um, Like I said earlier, uh, we will send over the presentation so you can look at it later on and um, go through some of those links as well, which I also put in the chat. But um, with the six-ish minutes we have left, um, does anyone have any questions, anything you'd like to ask me and Andrea? Okay, here's one. From a company that currently prioritizes website and digital efforts, what could we focus on to encourage more engagement from an older audience? Um, So I think just to clarify your meaning, maybe an audience that doesn't spend that much time necessarily on digital channels, Um, which I would say for that answer, trade shows have been really successful for us um, in getting in front of manufacturers that aren't maybe spending a lot of time on the internet (laughs) Um, or just events in general. I think that can be really helpful looking for speaking opportunities at those events or sponsorships. Um, I think a lot of that generation likes Um, that face-to-face in-person contact. So if you can get your company name somewhere on those events, I think that can be a really good avenue too. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the best channels to put out thought leadership content? Um. (laughs) (laughs) I have things to say, but if you want to start. (laughs) I first and foremost always think that social is a really good place to, Mm -hmm. to push that out because that's what people are looking for, especially in LinkedIn. Um, you, they're looking to engage with the, the topics that they have opinions on and, um, that they want to hear your opinion on. If you're an expert, expert on something, show you're an expert on something that content, like, you know, will engage them and therefore you're, you engage, um, a further reach, like more people Mm -hmm. that, um, you hadn't reached before with that new content. So yeah, social first for sure. Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, first thing that comes to mind for most B2B companies is definitely LinkedIn and not just the thought leadership coming from your company page. I really think what's crucial is the thought leadership coming from individuals from your company who are subject matter experts um, and showing their faces and making them more visible. Um, Even here at Top Floor, I could post the same thing that the Top Floor company page posts and I, or anyone from the Top Floor team could post something that the company page posts. And I have found that the individual will almost always get more interactions, more engagement, Mm -hmm. because people like people. And um, I think that identifying who in your company is a thought leader or can be a subject matter expert and working with them to, to regularly produce content um, and regularly post in those places is, is a really key piece of that thought leadership as well. Yeah. The individual thought leaders. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even if you have to partner with like your marketing team has to partner with that, that potential person to develop the content that they post, it's worth it. Um, mm-hmm. do, you know, do that extra step if they need it, if they need the help to create that, uh, that post for them, it's going to work. So, <laughs> Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, not seeing anything new come through um, and we only have a minute or so left. So I'll thank you all for joining us today. 
Um, and if you do come up with questions, um, feel free to reach out to me and Andrea either on LinkedIn or email. Mine's acotter at topfloortech.com. Andrea's is ayank at topfloortech.com. So yeah, feel free to reach out if any questions come up and we will send this presentation out afterwards so you can review anything that you missed or take any additional notes. And yeah, thank you all for joining. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us this episode of the Marketing Schematic. We hope you enjoyed listening and will follow along by subscribing wherever you stream podcasts. You can also watch the full video and audio recording of this episode on our website at topfloortech.com. 